0: Well, an early stumps was called at Edgbaston as rain ended day three prematurely. England lead Australia by 35 runs in their second innings with eight wickets in hand. Welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm Menas. I'm joined by Paul Dennett. Paul, a day mired in controversy at Edgbaston.
1: Uh, yeah, Good day, everyone. Um, I, I wouldn't go that far. I, I think that there's been some... Plenty, plenty bigger controversies over the years. So I, I think um, I'd prefer to say it's a day where the, uh, despite the weather, the, the the match is still very intriguingly poised, and um, I can't wait to see what happens over the course of days four and five.
0: Agree on that front. Um, so let's start off with I guess the news that broke just after play on day three that Moeen Ali was seen applying an illegal drying agent to his bowling hand on day two and he was fined 25% of his match fee match free from the test. Now I mentioned to you on our day two rap that he was having issues with his uh, spinning finger, he'd taken a lot of skin off and what he basically applied was, without telling the umpires, was you know, a spray that would help him grip the ball better. It would actually uh, be sprayed on top of the blood and the the callus, a bit like baseball pitchers use, and therefore you get a better grip on the ball. So that um, I don't think, I mean, it's not an egregious um, breaking of the rules, but it is not within the laws of the game and does did give him an advantage on that second afternoon.
1: Yeah, he's been fined. Um, they did. I heard them read out the full release. From the ICC on on BBC, and they made it they made it clear that it wasn't as though he was seeking to gain any illegal advantage. Um, What's from, he going to say?
0: He's going to say, "Yeah, I'm trying to get a better grip on the ball."
1: No, that's not him saying that. That's the International Cricket Council saying that. Um, so they've that's what they have said. And Alastair Cook and Ag, and Agas were saying it's it's perfectly acceptable to apply this thing, um, just not while you're on the field. Like you can apply it in the dressing room, no
0: problem and you have to show the umpires what you're doing so if, if your finger's like bloody and pussy and all that stuff well of course you're gonna want something on it uh, anyway so he was fine for that so first little bit of um controversy I don't think the I, day.
1: I, look I, I know you probably think it's a bigger deal than I do I don't think it's a big deal
0: I don't think it's a huge deal and I don't think um it's it's like egregious um cheating but it's certainly over the line and um, he got fined for it. So yeah, that's the first bit out of the way. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't think there should be a witch hunt and we should throw Ali out of the game. Um, but baseball <laughs> pitchers do get suspended for doing similar things. Um, all right. So that was the first thing. Then in the first over of the day, it started as day two ended with Kerry being dropped off the fourth ball of the day by Johnny Though The ball, he went the wrong way and then the ball sort of went off the inside edge and best I missed it so another chance went down and at that Although point saying was... that
1: folks that folks should be in the side I'd just like to say that for reasons that I'll remain between myself and myself last night in the dead of night um, uh, I watched the highlights of the final days play of the final test match of the 95 um, Frank Worrell trophy and I hadn't seen it since then Ian Healy dropped two of the simplest catches I've ever seen um, there's no guarantee that Folks would have taken the catches that that dropped. Um, dropped. Obviously, Barstow's had a very disappointing game with the gloves. But the notion that Folks is some sort of Superman, uh, I find it interesting that a lot of the people who are sort of standing up and saying he should be in the side, I wonder how many, particularly Australians, who are sort of saying it as an objective thing, I wonder how many of them could actually pick out Ben Folks in a lineup.
0: He's actually impossible to miss. He's such a good-looking guy. He cannot. Miss him in the lineup. <laughs> he is, he's like one of I've heard women say he's one of the best looking cricketers going around. Um, so on that, I just think that's just folly because I think so many experts have said Ben Folks is a better keeper. I admit you cannot say folks would have definitively taken all those chances, but I think a range of wicket keeping experts have clearly and can clearly see folks as a better wicket keeper and better footwork. They're, better they're the hands, same ones that more say natural.
1: That, uh, they're the same ones that say that um Healy was clearly a better gloveman than Adam Gilchrist, and I don't agree with that.
0: Okay, well I'm not gonna argue about Healy and Gilchrist, but I, I do think that <laughs> you, you cannot you cannot <laughs> you just cannot deny folks is a better wicketkeeper than Johnny Best, though. And of course I could uh, deny so... that.
1: I haven't I haven't watched the body of work and taken the statistical analysis to say that's true. Just because everyone else says it doesn't mean that it's necessarily true. You, when I'm saying you, you that they couldn't a pick of him out of last fine if he's a if he's a wonderful looking bloke, but how many of them have got real great memories of all the, the, the catches that he's taken and the ones that he's dropped versus um, Johnny Besto?
0: But there is so much English cricket on Australian television. You would have seen Ben folks playing for England in the winter and in the off season. So these judges, no, I'm, not saying, seen no, I'm because... not saying me,
1: I'm saying I've seen plenty of him, but I honestly can't with hand on my heart, say who I think is a better gloveman. I'm saying that as people just, just chime in um, for the sake of saying it. It's, it's sort of the easy thing to say.
0: Well, I think you say take the easy way out and say you, your easy answer is just to say, well, he might not have taken that. So I think it can go both ways. Well, until I get some numbers to prove
1: it, I think it's just an impression. And I'm I'm I'm, I'm reluctant to just base things on people's impressions.
0: Okay. Well, I, I saw the mischances from though, so that's what I'm basing it on.
1: Yeah, I saw that as well. He's very disappointed. But the, he took a fantastic catch um,
0: on day one as well. Is in the net neg- negative. If you take his runs and his drops into account, I think he's still in the negative. All right. So moving on from this spirited debate about wicketkeeping, um, <laughs> uh, Jimmy Anderson. Not long after, Besto dropped another sitter. Um, bowled, took his 1100th first-class wicket, um, bowling Alex Carey with an absolute seed for 66 off 99. So that ended very good partnership from uh Carey and kawaja of 118 really got australia to a position of parity in the game so excellent innings from Carey, and then paul i'm curious i'm pretty sure i know where you'll land on this but i thought after Carey got out kawaja got a bit stuck uh, there were some good fields from stokes and i thought he got a little bit in his own bubble and he allowed the pace of the play to be dictated by the england bowlers
1: yeah it was a little bit strange um I don't understand why he was so um, passive. Um, yeah, I mean, don't want to criticise him because he played a fantastic innings, but it was a bit strange.
0: But then a nice innings from Cummins. He hit a nice 38 off 62 with three sixes. We saw Moeen Alley trying to bowl on this third morning. You could tell he was having real trouble gripping the ball. There was a couple of full tosses. It wasn't the toughest bowling Pat Cummins has ever faced. Uh, but then, really, the moment of controversy of the day. Score was 372 for six, and Ben Stokes brought in an umbrella field around Usman Kawaja, a bit like you'd see in the subcontinent. And Kawaja, who'd been stuck, at not scoring for a while, decided to charge Ollie Robinson, missed the full-pitch ball and was bowled for a magnificent 141 of 321 balls, at which point, Robinson said to Kawaja, F off, F off, you effing prick. So um, then after that, so that's not good. No, I was waiting for you to finish.
1: <laughs> I wasn't going to um, um, ignore it, but uh, you, you make your point and then I'll make mine.
0: Well, look, I just don't. I mean, obviously that's over the line. I, I do think that, as I've said many times, I do give players a little bit of leeway for in the heat of the moment. Um, crossing the line, and I think that was in very, very bad behaviour. You've got someone who's one of the great guys of international cricket who's made a magnificent century to go F off you effing prick. I don't think is edifying. But then what is most disturbing is he was put up to do the press conference after play and showed zero contrition at all said Australia have been giving it to us like, and throughout Ricky Ponting's name, he said Ricky Ponting did it to us and showed zero contrition at all. And I think that is, he's just an idiot. Like I, I, I get it. He was fired <laughs> up, but just in the press conference afterwards, say, look, I was, I went a bit over the line. Um, But but he just doubled down on it, and now he's going to get a million bounces at him. I hope he gets fined. And, you know, he's a very unlikable bloke. His past history is is certainly unedifying, and I think this is just a terrible look for English cricket. And, you know, is Baz uh, putting illegal substances on your fingers and sledging batters and telling them to F off?
1: Oh, men, don't link it to Baz I mean, that's that's just being silly.
0: Well, what do you think of the send-off and then his behaviour afterwards to basically say – say he's not sorry and that um, Australia have been doing it in the past? Yeah, I mean, I've consistently
1: um, for ages deplored all levels of bad conduct in the game. Um, I'm not someone who's ever said that I enjoy the kind of um, the the theatre of it when they they cross the line Um, and I've condemned it from whichever side it's been on. So I'm in a position where I can say, yeah, absolutely, um, it's unacceptable what he said and he deserves to get fined for it. And he's a fool for, for doing it. The one thing I'll say, the only thing I'll say in his defense is in the conference, he, he sort of, he said something like, you know, cause Aussie had been batting so well. Um, it, it almost without saying it, the implication was, although he had directed the words at him, they were not meant to be taken personally. It was more like just an expostulation of, um, uh of emotion and um t- to me that is a slight mollifier of it I, I agree he wasn't repentant but he was kind of it wasn't as though he doubled down to the press conference and said yeah i, th- I said that about him because that's what i think about him it was more as I had <laughs> that would have
0: been good <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That would have something.
1: yeah he's a fucking prick <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um oh, and i understand um how plenty of people from uh other countries would say yeah australia do you like it now this is what you've always done to us and look, that's a that's a charge that a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of Australians have to cop because that lots of Australian cricketers have done it. And over the years, many many people have said that's the way we play the game. We play it with mongrel You Guys have got to just get used to it and everything else. And I have never said that, so um, I can say, yep, um, this is the wrong thing to have done. They should really heavily fine him, and they should stamp this out of the game. Because it largely has been stamped out, and it's such a better game for it. Usman Kawaja does not deserve that. Um, not only the fact that you know he got 140, so the guy getting carrying on like that looks like a fool. But it would have looked like a fool if it was a golden duck. Um, it's just a horrible thing to do and totally unnecessary. But I, and I'm not, I'm not at all drawing an equivalence here. But I also find it annoying when the Australians are celebrating when they do the woo woo. Uh, that sort of whooping um, noise, which is kind of insulting, I, I, I think it's insulting as well. They're sort of um, uh, sort of mocking the bat the batter as he's walking off. Almost, I, I think that they they should stop that as well. Um, but in this instance, he deserves to get the the maximum penalty that he can, and they should say to him, "Mate, there's no need to do this. By all means, turn around, uh, facing away from him, and cheer as loud as you want." and um, pump your arms and um, jump high in the air and, you know, do all that, but don't direct anything towards the batter.
0: It was notable that one of the good guys of English cricket, Joe Root, did go up to Kawaja after that and pat him on the back and say something like, well played. But, yeah, I just don't like Ollie Robinson. His performance at that press conference was disgraceful and hope he cops a million bounces this summer. Uh, One thing in the press
1: conference, I saw for the first time – what i've heard about before um what a champion malcolm con is in the press conference that you know the the first question that was asked was a perfectly legitimate question about um but it was asked in a very diffident sort of way and ollie robinson handled you know handled it the way he did and then malcolm con just doubled down and made it absolutely clear like you know so you're okay with abusing players eh? like it was just the um we've heard how malcolm con when the question needs to be asked and people are a bit afraid to ask it, Malcolm Khan kind of asks it, and that was a, my first evidence of seeing that um, up close and personal. Not
0: that I was at the press conference, but it was pretty cool. Nice, I'm gonna drop that in right here for you to listen to.
1: It's, um, your celebration's obviously all over social media and it's got up pretty close and uh, there's a, a pretty clear interpretation of what you said. So it looked like you've abused Osman Kowaja. So do you think abusing an opposition player is part of the theater of the game? No, it's not. But I think when you're in the heat at the moment, um, and you have the passion of the ashes, um, that can that can happen. I think we've all seen Ricky Ponting, other Aussies do the same to us. So just because of the shoes in the other foot, it,
0: it's not it's not received well.
1: So you don't expect to hear from the match referee at all? Do you know what's happening in
0: that regard? There is the great Malcolm Con, giving it to the palms. All right. So Australia lost four for fourteen closed their innings, Lyon went for one, Boland zero, Hazelwood one, and you have to say Paul that without Stark in there, without Stark and Cummins, the tail is a little longer, so Australia were all out for 386, seven runs behind the England first innings. Do you you have any concerns about the tail? Oh definitely, and I, I said that right from the start, even
1: that this was the side that I probably would have plumped for, although I would have given strong consideration to Nisa as well, that the tail was um, a real concern. Uh, Nice to see Cummins getting some runs and playing with a bit more aggression. Uh, I think he should do more of that. Lions copped a fair bit of criticism for playing that shot. And while I don't think it was the worst shot of all time, I do think there's a little bit of... I don't understand why when you've got six players out and you've got Cummins at the other end doing pretty well what's to not Nathan Lyon just think, hey, why don't I take a leaf out of England's book? And sure, play the pull shot, but rather than trying to hit it for six, just ease it down onto the ground um, and, and and take the single, or if I happen to place it, we'll get four. Now, I know I'm making light of dealing with a 140-kilometre missile heading straight at your head, and I'll just gently ease it to the ground. But <laughs> play it with a little bit more intelligence and aim to just survive it rather than taking the low percentage play of trying to hit it for six, as that's what I would have said. And when... If Cummins gets out and then you're batting with the um, number, um, you know, numbers 11 and 10, then by all means try it, to hit it for six.
0: He is a compulsive hooker line. And I agree. I think with Cummins there, it would have been nice if we tried to stick around because Lines clearly a better batter than Boland and Hazelwood. Uh, for the England bowlers, Broad, three for 68 of 23 overs. Robinson, three for 55. Anderson, one for 53. Stokes obviously got um, Steve Smith and Moeen Alley 33 overs, two for 147. And Paul, there's a real chance that Moeen Alley will not be able to bowl in Australia's second innings or will be severely restricted. So that could leave England very short if Australia's chasing a modest total. It's a massive moment in the game
1: and a massive talking point. And I'm really fascinated to see how it plays out because the pitch really is starting to, on occasion, turn substantially. And... I think that if Ali's finger was fine, then there'd be a strong feeling in the English camp that whatever they post Australia as a total, it's going to be challenging for the Aussies to get. Given that it'll be pretty difficult, let's assume on on day five to 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 handle the the the, the wicket that's starting to deteriorate. The finger looks nasty, and there's a I, you know. I they were saying that one of the things that he can do really at this stage, the only thing he can do is change his grip a little bit on the ball, which I think the problem with that is I think changing the grip, he'll be he'll be a good enough bowler to land them decently, but he'll miss that five percent of actual wickedness with really getting the extracting the the most out of it. So I, I would imagine that what they're going to have to do with him is probably realise it'll heal a little bit in the next day or two he might have five or 10 overs where he can really give it a bit of a rip and that'll be him done um, and become much less effective and they'll have to rely on ruth and more just saying okay well the pitch is going to be a bit up and down we'll have to use the skills of our um of our fast bowlers stokes will have to get in there in the act, in the act as well uh, but it's um yeah, it's a big disadvantage for england for sure
0: and then in england's second innings we saw The roles reversed. So England started their innings in quite sunny conditions. Zach Crawley and Ben Duckett, I wouldn't say looked troubled in those those first few overs. Then there was a slight rain delay, and then they came back out in eerie conditions with dark storm clouds hovering around Birmingham and Edgbaston. But that meant the ball was hooping around for especially Boland and Cummins in that, I think, four and a bit over spell, maybe four overs, where England Australia got two wickets. We saw Ben Duckett caught by Cameron Green, another great catcher, one-hander going to his left, just above the carpet. And the next over, Zach Crawley, was caught by Alex Carey off Scott Boland. So England lost. Uh, Two wickets on the score of twenty-seven, and are now two for twenty-eight. When the rain came in, and you could see Crawley was a bit dirty because he got out just before the weather got even worse, and the light didn't look great. But that was a very good little spell for Australia, and just further highlights how important overhead conditions are in England.
1: Yes, and it also highlights how the folly of the fielding positions before that in those. In, those, in the first little spell before the rain, it was just like the first innings where the easy singles were being given and um, it was a pretty ordinary moment for Australia. Then when they came out and the conditions had changed, suddenly they brought the field up as well, which really made a difference. And it was a, it was a compelling little spectacle. It was a, a great pity, um, not just as an Aussie for the rain to have come, but I think that the, the atmosphere in the ground at that stage was superb. Um, another poor review that, sort of was led by Smith just after Root came out that he missed one and um, uh, there was a a feeling that he nicked it. Carey thought he had, um, Smith thought he had. And it's just like, uh, you know, when the ball passes the bat on ultra edge, I just had certainty that there was going to be no spike. Um, And there wasn't. You know, I still don't think we've got our reviews right. But it was a great little passage of play. Good to see uh, not only Cummins get that wicket, but also Boland after a really poor first innings performance, um, back to his kind of uh, what he does best.
0: And it really feels to me like the next two days might have a different complexion to the first sort of two two and a bit days. If this weather hangs around, then, you know, if England can set Australia to 250, then that's going to be very challenging with Anderson and Broad. Um, so what, how do you see the game going from here? It's interesting because the forecast for day four looks pretty good. Um, the forecast for day
1: five has steadily got worse. Uh, worse. <laughs> it's steadily got worse over um, the last day or two, and it's now at that iffy sort of thing where day five could be ran off in entire in its entirety or could have no rain at all, which is, I just think, typical for England. But I think day four, we will see a full day's play, and I would imagine that if Stokes is going to be consistent with what he's said, and I, I suspect he will be, that I think England will come out with a really aggressive mindset and will be saying, all right, let us absolutely throw the kitchen sink at things here. And um, I think it's going to be exhilarating. Uh, and I think it's going to be the the, the real difference between baseball and non That the, the whole approach will be every other side would be, okay, we've got a, a slight lead here, but we're two wickets down, bit of rain about, let's just play sensibly and... Um, Maybe if after two sessions we've we've got away, we can look to accelerate late on, and and you know, and then if the final day gets rained out, well, it's a draw. Whereas I think Stokes's attitude um, may well be, let's go out there and say throw the bat at it. Um, we'll get a bit of luck. The worst case scenario, we'll get rolled for 200 odd lead. Well, we probably uh, might have risked that anyway by playing conservatively. Best case, we can get a lead of I don't know 300 by tea time and put them in then, and. Um, you know, do your best and and take take a risk that no captain would have in the past. You know, declaring it T with a lead of three hundred—that's exactly what they did virtually against Pakistan uh, a few months ago. They they were um they were leading by seventy eight at lunch on day four with seven overs to go before lunch at day four when their innings began, and they declared it T on day four. They batted for thirty five overs, um and scored about two hundred and seventy and set Pakistan three hundred and fifty to win, um. It's the sort of thing they could do tomorrow, which, as I said, will be totally something that no captain in the past ever would have done, and it'll be amazing to watch.
0: I have a feeling that unless Stokes really dangles the carrot, that Australia might not even try and chase something down on the last day. I don't think they'll be drawn into this. Uh, I'd be really curious the way the Australians go, but we'll all we'll find out soon. Paul, thanks for joining me on this wrap.
1: Thanks, Matt. But the, the last thing I'll say on that is that. They'll they still will bat normally. I mean, if if he if he dangles it to the extent of offering them, um, three hundred off one hundred and twenty overs, then almost by default they'll go for it because that, they'll score at that rate
0: anyway. Maybe. Well, we're we're in for a thrilling finish. Well, listeners, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast, rate and review the show, and we'll be back tomorrow with our day four wrap. <laughs>
1: This is a Piccolo podcast production.